We're taking a detailed look back at Street Fighter V's four seasons of DLC development to assess how good of a job Capcom did at bringing the hype and adding to the Street Fighter V experience each year. Majin Ten Shinhan joins us as we explore seasons one and two on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hello, hello. I just saw the scariest thing that I have seen since this quarantine started, and it has nothing to do with uh, quarantine, nor does it have anything to do with fighting games, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, I was perusing on Twitter while playing in between matches in Street Fighter just before we started the podcast here, and I came across what I thought was a spider just having convulsions and jumping around on a rock. What it turned out to be was there was no spider in the picture. It was actually a spider-tailed horned viper, which is a uh, like a well a viper, a snake that hangs out in Iran, and it just camouflages on rocks. And then its tail legitimately has evolved to look exactly like a spider. And it just flicks its tail around until a bird comes down. And I naturally looked up a video, saw this bird come down, and with godlike reflexes, uh, the snake just zips over, it grabs the bird in one bite, and after a few flops, it's like, GG's, the bird was dead. It was uh, the scariest thing I've ever seen. Well, yeah. since the quarantine started. I just looked at images of that, and that looks freaking terrifying. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the thanks for that horrible mental picture for us and all of our <laughs> listeners. Uh, but we also have Nicholas Maj intentionally and Taylor oh, yeah, joining Nick's us. Here. Yes, Nick, <laughs> Nick, please say hello to to our audience. Uh, hey everyone, uh, I'm not looking that up. You probably shouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, don't. I I can definitely give people that advice. Do not look that up. It will give you it's nightmare fuel. Everything hey, that you. I just yeah. said did less to to motivate people to look it up than what you just said. That oh, made everyone man. do it. Jeez, oh, uh, Joe, Joe, what are we talking about today? I, so, my mind right. is gone now. Yeah, since uh, yeah, since I brought you down to the depths of fear and anxiety with me. So we're talking today about the we're going, we're taking a historical look back onto seasons one and two of Street Fighter Five, more specifically the DLC release characters, and um, kind of analyzing how that played out because we're in a new chapter for as far as fighting games are concerned. And it's a lot of firsts uh, in this like DLC model, add new characters on a regular basis. Now we're kind of expecting six a year from, well, from Capcom, at least with Street Fighter. That has been the norm for uh, the last four years. And uh, there's a lot of bumps in the road when you're doing new stuff. But we want to look at the uh, kind of the decisions made, the characters, how they came out, how the hype around them uh, was or wasn't there and why or why not and analyze and kind of figure out ultimately what the uh, the best season has been thus far when it comes to uh, DLC characters and uh, Capcom's effectiveness in releasing them both when it comes to how uh, how fans appreciated it how the uh, characters played in the game what they added to the Street Fighter experience and I don't want to uh, hone it in too specific on on too specific of a a definition here because it's it's more of just a let's kind of look over history lest we forget it and um, kind of get ready for what we are hoping to see moving forward into Street Fighter Six or whatever's beyond. Yeah, um, I, I do want to add just a few things to, uh, here as well, and that 
to me, it was very important that DLC characters jump out or else why add them to the game? Mm-hmm. If no one plays them and they suck, you just failed, right? Who wants to pay money for a crappy character? Uh, this is a basis that I was personally working off of here. I, I just want to actually turn it over to Nick too. Nick, like, what was your criteria that you looked at? I actually discussed it with Raptor a little bit before, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about what you just said, like, if they're bad, people aren't going to want to play it. And was like a, it's a thing a lot of people say and a lot of people think. And I'm like, yeah, in tournament, but it's more important than them being good is them looking cool, mm-hmm. doing cool things. And I think a prime example of that is Alex because he's a very popular character, but he's never been good. I mean, most people would probably argue he was at his best in season one, but he wasn't exactly lighting up the charts in season one either. But he's a character people like because he looks cool, his movement looks cool, he does sick stuff. And thus a lot of people ended up buying him, playing him, even though he wasn't very common in tournament. Now you say Alex looks cool, do you mean with his backwards bottom part of his body or with it? <laughs> I mean on with, a... his, with his plastic vodka bottle sweatpants and I give up crop top? And I mean, on a classic to... Astro City Third Strike cabinet. Okay, <laughs> that's where I mean. Alex looks cool. Okay, okay. Yeah, he, he, the guy like jumps in place. He like does like jump squats or something like that when he wins. It's like. Why did yes. you give him that win pose? But I, I, I'm I'm being facetious here. I actually do think Alex looks pretty decent here in Street Fighter uh, Five. Like he he's a good looking character. He has some good costumes. He has some atrocious ones. But overall, I, I do like his look. But uh, some yeah, of his, I think yeah. he has a few okay costumes. Like I mean, when I play Street Fighter Five, I always use his nostalgia costume. Like no chance I'm using anything else. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> like it's not that his Street Fighter Five design is absolutely horrible. It's just not up to par with what we're uh, used to from Alex, I'd say. There was so much surrounding Alex's release when it came to where's the trailer, and he was the first DLC character, so this was the first time we were doing this dance, and we've done it a ton since, but it was the first time we kind of got to um, set expectations a little bit, and we, we didn't know what was going on, so there's a lot of memorable things about it. Uh, but the thing that first pops up in my mind when I think about Alex's release is when someone did a meme of him in the middle of doing a power bomb. His hair looks like a McDonald's fry pack because <laughs> it's got like the red yeah. and the hair just looks like right in step with Ken's theme, you know, banana and yeah, food yeah, yeah. themed hair. It looks like it. And that made me laugh so hard. And I and I continue to remember it first when I think of Alex. But you're right, though, Nick, that uh, a big part of it is, well, one, he was already he, he has a following because of Third Strike. And that's interesting, too, because he wasn't like an amazing tournament character there either. But he's uh, he's a cool enough character that, that he gets people's attention and he has a legacy. OK, great. Check. But when you play him, uh, his moves are satisfying to see, you know, like that big boot yeah. crush counter. Mm-hmm. The most I've done with him is play through like the trials and, and his backstory and whatnot. But even there, like hitting a crush counter with that or like when you do an SBD and he power bombs you or when he does a front flip first, like the feeling of, of satisfaction that comes with moves like that moves that shake the damn screen. There's a lot to that. And I I don't know that you could just add that to any character, but that's an element that this character absolutely has. And I think that's a big part of what he has going for him. You know, John, I take offense that you didn't mention Lariat in terms of most satisfying moves to land. I don't know if there's a more <laughs> satisfying move in the entire game to land than that stupid Lariat. It is 
just it's the gods powered up uh, dp is the most satisfying but uh, uh, that can yeah, be second that's, that's fine uh, yeah for me the most satisfying is power bomb it's a, or hyper bomb i should say the ex power bomb because man that just feels so good like there's such a wind up mm-hmm. he's shining yellow he grabs them he does a hyper bomb somersault basically while holding them and you're just waiting 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 and then hyper Bomb! <laughs> and he smashes them into the ground and it's oh it just feels so good nice it's the best and, and so actually i'm glad you guys brought that up that is a factor like how fun is this character to play they might suck like alex does uh they might have a lot of things going against him but like are people you know playing him and having fun with the character and alex of all characters he's season one we're gonna kick it off with talking about him he's someone who's actually played and one of the things i looked at was not just tournament results because that's just like the competitive community that's a hardcore people uh and alex is definitely not going to shine there but where some characters shine where you think they would not is in the cfn stats which shows how many casual people are playing in there and so i went and looked back about a last year or so uh, of how many of these characters are actually being played uh, on cfn and i think it's it's a pretty good indicator of things Mm -hmm. so getting us started here with season one uh in order we had alex guile abuki balrog jury and urian uh to me, Street Fighter V did not have enough zoning or, or varied approaches with the launch cast. There were way too many grapplers when the game first kicked off. And when when the Season 1 DLC was fully out there, it started feeling like a real Street Fighter game to me when, when that, that came out. Like, how did you guys feel like when those launch characters, uh, or the Season 1 characters came out? I Yeah, I kind of agree, but also kind of not. I still think the zoning game was kind of weak in Street Fighter V. Uh, after season one but at least it existed you had guile you had urian could do some decent zoning as well uh jury wasn't a zoner anymore which was uh i know a lot of people were kind of disappointed about but um, you definitely had more of that in the game all of a sudden Um, i would agree that the roster felt rounded out enough where i could say like okay well this this is basically a street fighter 5 launch because we know like the launch of Street Fighter V was a disaster in many ways. And I think holding off a year and including that entire season one cast from the very start probably would have avoided them so much of the negative PR they had in the beginning. Yeah, the the first place my mind goes is the feeling that, yeah, this was interesting. And like I said before, this was a big kind of first for a lot of us with this particular approach of, you know, 16 characters, but then we're immediately going to start adding more and that keeps the, the new, the new feeling going and and the newness of it going. But it did feel that this was more of an extension of the launch roster and expectation. And in that sense, it was more of a, yeah, we should be getting this, not, Ooh, this is exciting new stuff. And that was a feeling that was kind of hard to shake. Uh, It didn't feel like we were venturing into new territory. It felt like we were just catching up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also think a big part of that was that Capcom showed us silhouettes. Everyone started speculating. And I think it wasn't even 24 hours after we saw the silhouettes, they were entirely leaked, like who the characters were. Yeah. And Capcom just fessed up. They were like, okay, yeah, uh, there's no point hiding it because this is, you all know it already. I think it was like, it was like PSN leak or something, wasn't it? Like it explicitly was like clearly true. Uh, and Capcom kind of just had to fess up. And uh, then everyone was just sitting there waiting for their character, right? So Jury fans were extremely disappointed because she was so different. And they'd been sitting there knowing Jury would be in the game, been waiting for her uh, 
and obviously these are people who were fans of her in four. And uh, then she comes along and she's not at all the jury they uh, like. I mean, personality-wise she is, but, you know, the moveset and everything is entirely different. And I think that was kind of a hard situation for Capcom as well because expectations just keep mounting when you know it's coming, but you don't know when. And uh, another thing that people might have forgotten about is that we had this... uh, roadmap document and i think capcom usa released where they promised uh, we'd get a character each month yeah and then capcom japan said no that's not happening but they didn't tell us that they only told us that after ibuki didn't come out in may mm-hmm. yeah and then they had i think the cfn delays at that point in time and then like you couldn't even buy the uh the characters because like the, the shop was closed down or something initially right well, and the shop didn't right, exist right. initially yeah so you only had you got alex and gal for free for a while mm-hmm. uh it, since there are so many different ways of tackling this and it's kind of like a moving target in terms of deeming like just how effective a season was done um, maybe one way of thinking about it is to fork it and say there's like the PR side of things and then the the gameplay and the Street Fighter experience side of things. And maybe if we separate those two, I think we'll get better um, ideas and um, maybe we could even uh, uh, rank the seasons according to both. Uh, but that, I mean, just that's kind of how I'm approaching and, and thinking about it. So uh, a lot of uh, what we've been talking about has been more on like the the... PR side and how the relationship and the perception from the fans kind of go and it was very tumultuous right it was uh, we're gonna do this and then oh we can't do it anymore it was missed deadline after missed deadline let down after let down and um, with these characters coming out they already had this blanket of people kind of not having this great feeling it was before this you know Street Fighter 5's launch and then the beta and, and, and such and so like things had already been uh, the rain clouds had already been forming around. But when we came into, uh, I kind of want to go through it chronologically. When we, when Alex popped up, what was the, the hype like? Because I feel like people were pretty excited. It was like very exploratory and, and new ground. The, the thing I remember is everyone was very excited about Alex. They told us he would be out in March that year. Um, everyone was waiting for him. And March just went on and on and Capcom never said anything. Mm-hmm. And then he came out, and I think we like, I think we got a trailer the same day he came out. But there were two premieres, like w- one was a week before Alex, and the other was two weeks before Alex. Well, I think it was final round in Norcal Regionals, unless I'm. And we just got the Rashid music. Was that yeah, that final exactly. round? Yeah, exactly. I, I think it was Honzo Gonzo who just said on the Rashid music, and uh, <laughs> you never like it was so tone deaf. It was unbelievable because everyone was hyped for Alex. I even remember Infiltration won one of those events and he said, show us the Alex trailer. And it was met by dead silence. Like, I mean, the crowd was hyped. Uh, Yeah, he might have won both of them. But uh, one of them, at least, he said that. Uh, And the crowd got hyped and then just dead silence, nothing. And it was so disheartening. And then when Alex actually came... People were clowning on his design, but as a character, people still enjoyed him. It didn't take long before people said, okay, he sucks, Uh, which, I mean, in the season one meta, I think people were jumping to conclusions a little bit, but yeah, if if it had stuck around, I still think Alex would have become bad, but he wasn't bad right at the beginning because you didn't know why he was bad, and I don't think people really figured out what was bad about Alex until he'd already been changed from season one you know what i mean 
Yeah, the history the history of Alex is that he sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. He's probably the worst tournament character in Street Fighter Three Third Strike, which is crazy. Like even worse than Twelve and Sean. Um, you just I, he's he's not worse than Twelve. Well, I know, but he's worse in than tournament. In tournament, it's like the whole thing is uh, like matchup wise. Alex, yeah, it's. Uh, I remember uh, Rennick talking about it. He was probably one of the most successful. No, he was the most successful U.S. Alex based player. And I was talking to him about because I mained Alex in that game as well. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Alex is hands down the worst tournament character in the game like you, you don't get worse than him but i'm it's opinion right we're we're yeah. talking about which piece of crap is a you know bigger piece of crap yeah at that i point, mean he's right? terrible but yeah he's terrible let's yeah. be honest he's terrible i just think 12 is worse gotcha but um anyway uh it's and so that, that that sticks with people it's like we always expect akuma to be good we always expect sagat to be great right we always like, expect alex to be bad exactly <laughs> yeah like, but he I gets mean, by on something else right it's, it's his charm it's his yeah, people satisfaction. Like him. They love him. Power bombing, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, he's cool and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's no secret. People really like Alex. He's a cool character. A lot of people enjoy him. And it's that feeling about like there's even, it's the same in First Strike. There's a lot of impact to his moves. Like getting a ticked command grab to uh, power bomb is just amazing. It's a great feeling. You're just smashing them into the ground. It feels great. And uh, stun gun headbutt in third strike. Uh, that's not even the super you use because it's not that good, but it feels damn good to land it. Mm-hmm. So you'll pick it just because it feels good sometimes. It's that kind of stuff. Like he's an expressive character. He has a unique style because he's a bit of everything. He real like. I I think the general, how do you say it? Narrative around Ryu is that he is a jack of all trades. But I would say Alex is more of a jack of all trades because he has a little bit of everything. He's a little bit of charge. He has command grabs. He has uh, motion based. So he's kind of teaching you all the aspects of Street Fighter, but he's not that good at any of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the training dummy. Uh, so yeah. maybe moving right along to Guile. Guile is a character that I felt was one of those expectations for the launch roster. Yeah. Alex was exciting and new because he hadn't been around for a little while. Beguile's right there through all the Street Fighter 4 and such. But I wasn't super excited for Guile. It was like, yeah, I expect this. Let me put it this way. Everyone kept going on about, because we got Season 1 leaked, Akuma wasn't there, Sagat wasn't there, Sakura wasn't there. So we kept hearing about these characters the whole first year of the game, and even afterwards for the ones that didn't show up, right? Mm -hmm. If Guile hadn't been in Season 1, he would have been in the exact same situation as them. Yeah, he's an expectation character, right? Sort yeah, of. everyone would be asking, where's Gal? where's Gal? where's Gal?" Yeah, um, I, I look at Gal. I look back to him, and I remember Capcom talking about how good he would have been if they give him a three-frame normal, like defensively and stuff. And, and he, he kind of showed up, and like from the moment he showed up, he was pretty good. And then even to this very day, uh, him and another character here in Season 1 are big-time standouts uh, for CFN popularity and usage. Um, he's obviously a big presence in tournament. Like, I look at this character, actually, is one of Capcom's bigger success stories uh, and one of the shining stars here of Season 1. Um, there's been some balance issues with this guy, but overall, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at, like, uh, Street Fighter Four Guile, and he was a presence, but he wasn't that big of a presence. And that's not what you expect from Guile, right? Like, Guile is kind of like one of the iconic Street Fighter characters you kind of expect him to be all over. So I think the Street Fighter Four version of him was a pretty big letdown, actually, uh, all things considered. And I think this kind of put him back on the map as, like, one of the characters that you play. Um, so I, overall, I was pretty happy with, with what they did with him. 
he had those really cool combos that no one else had yet and one of the emerging complaints was that everything felt real simple and real like basic and everyone was playing the same style with the same characters and that might not have been different with Guile but at least he had this flashy combo with his V-Trigger 1 and the boom loops and such and that was kind of cool to watch for a while. I don't know if it had a lot of staying power if, if that's still cool I guess I suppose so. But I it's actually, kind of cool. I remember, you guys remember when um, it was supposed to be Combo Fiend and Mike Ross showing Guile off for uh, Pro Talk, and they actually got locked out of the studio that night, and so they, we actually didn't get to see the, the Guile display. Um, but then when we finally did, it might have just been the next week, he looked really cool. It was exciting watching that. It felt like, ooh, this is going to change up the game a little bit, and it was exciting. When the character actually came out, I specifically remember... It felt like the majority, and this is just off of my memory, but people were saying, this character's not that good. He's way underwhelming. He looked way better when Combo Fiend was using him, but that was is certainly a, a result of, you just don't know the character yet. You got to give it more than 20 minutes before you can deem someone good or bad, and that was jumping the gun. But the very initial reaction was that he was underwhelming uh, gameplay-wise. That corrected uh, it, maybe even before Season 2, Probably, but uh, certainly by season two, because he was like a beast, I think, at that point. You know, it's yeah. funny thinking back to the meta of Street Fighter V, and like everyone's like, it's just rushed down, it's just grapplers, and I think that really bleeded into Guile at the time, just like thinking like zoners could not succeed in this game at all. That was and a big I mean, part of it. Yeah, I think he, again, yeah. he proved it wrong, and I mean, it, it took a bit. It's Again, it was it was a big problem with the launch cast that that wasn't really a play style there, you know, but yeah. Yeah, and he was kind of the exception. He was, it was, there isn't really zoning in Street Fighter V except for Guile mm-hmm. would be more yeah. of the conversations at that point. So, hey, not a bad addition, you yeah, know? Great one, yeah. 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 But again, under these rain clouds of all of the negative PR and such going on, and then early early impressions are not always the most accurate when it comes to gameplay, as I was saying. So, uh, but yeah, I like initially thinking back, Guile doesn't stand out to me or didn't stand out to me as a shining star. But right when you said it here, John, and then and then our exploring him, I'm like, actually, no, this was a pretty good win. This was a success. Um, yeah. and, and Alex was decently as well. Yeah. I mean, before we advance, like I'd say on paper, everyone for season one is a smart choice. The only one I disagree with slightly and you're gonna think i'm crazy but i have data to back it up is balrog and that's because balrog is the type of character you need to put in the launch roster and not the dlc because he isn't actually that popular like dalsim he him and dalsim are the least popular street fighter 2 cast uh not counting like the extended ones you know dj teok they always Mm, lose in over over honda yeah Uh, honda is over them uh, no, uh, I I could actually I disagree with that because I did look this up. Blanca's worst on the on everything. Uh, Honda's more uh, popular than the Blanca. There, those Hold are up. later on. You're talking about first. usage. Yes, usage on CS. I'm talking about popularity. Okay. We have the poll they did uh, right before season oh, three. Gotcha. Blanca is number ten. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and if we look here at Balrog, there were 109 characters in this poll. Okay. Uh, because they included the uh, Street Fighter EX characters who nobody voted for, basically. And on this list, out of 109 characters, let me find Barlow, he's 70. Mm. Very low. And the only Street Fighter 2 characters lower than him is Dalsim at 73. 
So in that sense, I think he's not a good DLC addition because he isn't actually exciting people very much. It would have been smarter from like a business perspective or a hype perspective to put Balrog in the launch roster and say Vega for that DLC spot, especially with Wait, how Vega Vega's way more popular. I would have done like Nash. I think Nash would have been a super hype DLC character. I think you need to have more of the characters that people are missing. Uh, because the, Nash was a character who'd been gone for a long time, right? Vega and Balrog yeah, don't like really Alec. fit that spot. Exactly. Because if you look at this, Balrog and Vega essentially have the same role. They're four kings of Shadowloo, they're bad guys, right? Balrog is number mm. 70, Vega is number 28. From a DLC perspective, he makes a lot more sense in that regard. Yeah, it's. Sure. I, I think that we ran into this with Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, though, where if you don't have a pretty good launch roster, I remember people being very hype over Nash, and I really like him on the launch roster. Uh, I get trying to save it for DLC, but I think that can backfire really easily, yeah. too. Um, sure, so yeah. sure. Yeah, you can't go too crazy with it. That's why I'm proposing specifically Vega and Balrog switching places. It doesn't matter now. It's pointless. I'm just saying, like, from a business perspective, I don't think having Balrog on that DLC roster was that smart of a decision because he doesn't really fit with the others. If you look at Alex, Guile, Ibuki, Juri, Yurian, they're very popular characters from yeah. their respective games. Again, because uh, Balrog, of, not so much. Because of CFN, and I'll go and cover this now, um, another character we're going to get into is a big-time standout like Guile, but... Um, like Alex has played regularly, uh, according to CFN. Um, another character we're about to cover, Ibuki, uh, Balrog, Jury. They they all fall in like the middle of the pack. Like it, it's it's surprising to me how well played these characters have been overall. Um, season one is actually like I, I went through it all the seasons. Of course, we're going to talk about three and four later on, but it was really shocking to me how strong season one like cfn stats were like it's like wow these characters are highly played and then of course you think about them in tournament and it's like everyone except for jury and alex were like kind of big time tournament characters either uh in the past or currently are and, and it's really shocking to me like how strong season one was overall sure mm -hmm. uh i think season one was definitely one of the strongest it's hard to gauge uh, we're not going to go into the later uh seasons right now but just in comparison it's hard to gauge a character that's full of only returning characters against ones that have new characters when you're oh, judging seasons popularity. full of yeah, uh, yeah because season one is the only one that's only returning mm -hmm. if you look at the others they all have new characters as well and new characters are a different kind of hype yes. it's not the same thing so it's hard to judge season one against the others because of that but overall season one was a very smart decision it was a smart roster i just think balrog it, he's a little bit out of place with the others there yeah well and and i wouldn't even say, you're right that it's not quite apples to oranges but i would just say that's an advantage that doing uh, the batch with all legacy characters affords you if and that that can just be a legitimate strategy when it comes to uh, dlc releases and such if you're a development company you know, it's it's your choice, it's your prerogative to put a, a whole batch of, of newcomers or a whole batch of legacy characters, as well I'm sure we'll get into. Maybe don't do all newcomers ever, but uh, yeah, sure. I think that that's just an advantage that you can set up for yourself, and it's not necessarily... Um, as far as the way we're analyzing this, it's like, hey, that was that was just a smart call. Or maybe it was, that's putting a lot of, of your... Um, your a little bit of your auto wins you know just for yeah. including certain characters becomes an auto win but maybe you want to spread those out just to make sure that the hype waves stay uh stay aflowing mm -hmm. i think they kind of made it easy for themselves by having a 16 character roster because then it's very easy to make this auto win you know because mm -hmm. there are so many characters that people are missing 
Um, and yeah, that's kind of what season one was. And uh, I'm not dogging them for it. It was a good move. But it's also like, it was also a good move because of how the launch itself was. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit, uh, I don't know. There's so much, so much to dig into. Dude, here. I really think that season one, the more we talk about it and examine it, the hype, like like they did things right uh, as far as the choices here and as far as it being a hype season or having the potential, it must have just been, because when, when I think back, the feelings is just the storm clouds and the negativity and it must have just been the the atmosphere at the time yeah. being so low and so like, oh man, it's like they're screwing up again and the, you know whatever it was. Uh, we were also facing the input lag stuff, and like there was a lot of a lot of early bumps in the road. But yeah, just looking at this sort of more in a vacuum, it's like this was pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's it's exactly what you were talking about before, where you have to separate the PR side and the like game side because mm-hmm. from a game side perspective, season one is, I think anyone would be hard pressed to not give it an eight out of ten at least. Mm-hmm. Right, it's uh, very yeah. high rating. Uh, we're we're gonna rate all this at the very end, but this was uh, this was one of my candidates for best overall seasons uh, because yeah. four out of the six characters in here were solid tournament performers, and especially for when these characters came out, Capcom knew less about what the game was, like about the meta and all this other kind of stuff. Like they, you know, as a game goes on, the developers learn a lot about it too, right? So why we see these, yeah. these you know um, mechanics adjustments, all this other kind of stuff. There were no duds here in season one from a usage standpoint on CFN. That's crazy. Crazy, and not only that, they had two big time. Uh, some of the most popular characters came from this season in terms of all the DLC characters. Two of them were, were some of the most popular we've seen. It's like this season to me was a complete win, except for a PR standpoint. No duds, yeah. high. Lo- it's just it's crazy to me how good in hindsight season one was. But as you guys mentioned, that was not the reaction from the community. The community was like, it, it, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. Um, and I I also think it's deserved. That the community had that reaction oh, yeah. because the PR yeah. was god awful during that period. You had all this stuff. You kept being told one thing and it didn't apply, and they weren't. They didn't like fess up to that. You were sitting there all of May and being like, "Where's Ibuki? Where's Ibuki?" And then we got our trailer at Combo Breaker, like. 28th of May or something like that, and they were like, "Oh, it was always at the end of the yeah. month." And then it was like, "She's coming in June in the trailer." That's how they With announced Balrog. it. No, that came later. They didn't even say that. Oh at yeah, that when time. they when they fused. Yeah, them. eventually yeah. that happened, but they didn't even say that at the time. So everyone was sitting there and being like, "Oh wow, are we gonna get Ibuki?" When the Ibuki trailer started, everyone was like, "Oh wow, or is she out now? Is she coming now?" And then it was like, "Oh, she's coming in June." It was like, but. You guys said one per month. You've been saying that like mm-hmm. no, you haven't been correcting anyone either. You've been very adamant about this, and then they were like, uh, "Yeah, maybe that's not happening." You know. Uh, so, so, oops, all berries. Yeah. So, yeah. Nick, are you saying that Abuki's release was a bomb? Ten points. Hmm. Yes, I, I sorry, I had to go there. Uh, let's get into Abuki actually now because that's what I remember about this damn character is bombs all over the freaking place. And yes. Just wrecking people with 50 50 uh, was it even a 50 50 mix up mm. is that like a 70 30 or something I it's got, like gotta jump in gotta jump in that was in season two okay season one okay. ibuki was yeah. weak oh that's right that's right season one ibuki was very 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 weak and okay. nobody wanted to use her the only person who ever used her in a serious manner was xian and that was only in like two matchups <laughs> I distinctly remember he had to ask me anything and there was someone like I really love Ibuki and I want to play Ibuki 
what kind of tips do you have to play Bookie? This was in season one. And he said, pick another character for 90% of your matchups. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, and, and we, we just said, or John, you were saying that there are no duds here. And that's accurate, but not necessarily correct. Mm. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, it's easy for me to say in certain respects that Jury felt like a dud. And maybe that was just how she performed versus what expectations were of her. And the fact that she's never climbed up to a place where the community sees her as a very viable character, that's significant as well. And I don't know if we want to just kind of keep everything confined to how things happen during the season because a lot of these characters have uh, very different stories as we go on through the next couple of seasons, you know. But uh, just looking at it snapshot here, everything that happened within the confines of season one, Ibuki comes out and people are like, this is very underwhelming gameplay-wise and she has the ugliest face. Keep the mask on, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a <laughs> common Balrog point. was, uh, from, from what I remember, Balrog and Yurian were both kind of like middle of the road, maybe some potential and hey, uh, both of them were in the latter half of the season. They didn't have a lot of time to uh, to be fully explored either. Well, was before Gile, Jury, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I like what I'm, I'm what I'm kind of getting at here. As far as gameplay goes, I don't remember any of these characters standing out as particularly good at all until maybe later on for some of them. I, I, but mm. people were not necessarily all that excited to play them. And maybe what those, uh, you, you know, we talk about popularity statistics, like, yes, maybe they developed it over the years. But at the time, were they good gameplay additions to the game? I think you need, first of all, I think we need to look at them like for the entire lifespan as our main point. But obviously we need to look at the season itself as well. I would say that Yurian mm. completely bucked that trend. Yurian came very late, so it was hard for anyone to justify playing him for like Capcom Cup or something. But you had sure. RB showing up for the Capcom Cup last chance qualifier. I think he got third or second, and everyone was blown away at the yeah. crazy stuff he was doing with Yurian. So I think Yurian was more bad timing than anything else. And Guile, I mean, he won Capcom Cup, not alone. By all means, Du was playing Mika as well, but Guile was heavily used by him, so it's not like Guile was a meme pick or anything like that. So I think both of those characters were successful in that regard. I think Alex was bad, and he's still bad. Ibuki was bad, but has been ridiculously good every season after that. Mm -hmm. uh, Balrog was not great, but he became crazy in season two. Mm -hmm. Um and then Jury is exactly like you said. She's like, regardless of how good or bad she is, the community has never seen her as good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think we can kind of um, address here with DLC releases is that a lot of characters start off bad and then get very good. That's kind of the history of Street Fighter V. Um, and it's it's rare where a character actually start off good and stayed good. Um, and, and I think that's a, almost a common theme like throughout most of the characters. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is just kind of like, you know, instead of addressing that with every single character, we can kind of apply that not universally, but as an overall kind of rule of thumb that the characters either kind of stayed bad or they got better after release. Um, and there's some mm -hmm. exceptions we'll talk about. But overall, you know, that's what happened with a lot of people. So Yeah. And I think a big part of that is um, obviously people just hand waving them away. You know, that happens in every game, every character. Yep. They've been out for a day and everyone's like, oh, they suck. They're worthless. Mm -hmm. They're they're bad. That's happening in Grand Blue, you know. Everyone just says that when the new character drops. Oh, they're bad. They're bad. Nobody cares. Uh, no point. And then they start doing stuff. And I think 
season one is a better example of it because people weren't used to this distribution method yet. They would yeah. see a character come oh, out, yeah. they'd be, oh, they suck, we're going to stick with whatever we've been playing now. And as the seasons have gone on, people have become more open-minded about new characters and actually looking around a bit, you know, maybe remembering, oh, well, I said this about Urien, and, you know, he was pretty crazy. Oh, I said this about Akuma, and then Tokido won Eva, you know, stuff like that. So I think people have kind of opened up a bit, at least. And season one, everyone was completely closed-minded in that regard. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny to look back, you know, over history and kind of uh, analyze this stuff in a way we haven't before. You forget about the context of the time and how often DLC characters were just total garbage back then. Uh, even you know, in Street Fighter Four, you watched a bunch of DLC characters come out, and I remember like playing Rose. Um, you could call her, you know, she was part of the launch cast, but she was not in the arcade version of the game. And I just remember people calling her incomplete, and like she had a bunch of stuff that just didn't make sense. And yeah, you know, people hmm. think back to Yan and Yang. And Street Fighter 4, yes, they were godlike and they were designed to be that way. But a lot of the other DLC characters just kind of came out and were kind of like, eh, like most people didn't really give them the time of day. Um, and, you know, and then the last batch of the the five there, Elena, Rolento, uh, etc., they were all pretty good characters. Like Capcom had kind of figured out the game at that point, but those were the exception. They were not Wor the rule. Worth mentioning, actually, is that Elena's reputation the first month or two was extremely low. Everyone yeah. was saying, like, mm -hmm. I don't understand this character. She has nothing of value. Like, she's really bad in this game. She might be worse than Hugo because everyone was kind of sure that Hugo wouldn't be that great because of how big he is, how easy it is to combo him, hard it is for him to get in. And the reputation of Elena was very, very, very low. And now, if you talk about Street Fighter Four, everyone is saying Elena was number one. She ruined the game, etc., etc. So, I mean, that was already prevalent back then. Nick, can you tell the Sako story about Elena with you and I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Because I actually was one of the people who thought Elena wasn't that good. But uh, John, Catalyst, to his credit, was convinced she was from the very start. He said, Elena is probably very good. I really think she is. And I, uh, I didn't believe she was. So I was at a tournament in Cannes, France. It was a Cannes Winter Clash, and Sako was there. And uh, since I speak Japanese, I went up to him and I was like, oh, uh, hello, I introduced myself, we talked a bit. And then I was like, I'd actually like to ask you something, because Sako, uh, he uh, was playing Elena at this point. Uh, he'd grown tired of Ibuki or whatever, and he was playing Elena. And I said, like, me and my boss ha have had a discussion about Elena back and forth. Uh, he thinks she's a very good character, and I think she's a very bad character. Uh, could you settle, like, where do you think she is? And he just smugly chuckled at me and he said, why would you ever think that I would pick a bad character? <laughs> what a badass. Yeah. And I mean, in retrospect, I had to hold that. <laughs> yeah. and the reason I, I bring that up and besides doing myself look good and that it, clearly I'm never wrong about anything ever. But um, anyway, uh, pro players very rarely play crappy characters. It does happen. Like, I mean, we you know, we remember CN, he played Fong, you mm. know, in Street Fighter V and that really did not work out in his favor. But for the most part, like the pro players, if you, you see their name attached to a character, they think that character is pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, I got a good example of that as well because Cody in Street Fighter Four is generally seen as pretty bad. And I've said that because I play, played him all of Street Fighter Four. Then you had Sasaki the Cody player from Japan uh, once did an interview with him and he said like I think Cody's the best in the game if I didn't think that I never would have gotten this good with him mm -hmm. so you yeah. know that's part of their mentality as well 
the top players if they don't believe their character is strong if they keep saying they're bad and making excuses for them they're not going to get anywhere so they go like okay well this thing is very good because of this and they just try to look at it from that perspective and that's how they end up with very strong characters as well yeah so putting a bow here on the ibuki stuff uh, uh clearly i mean cn just said like don't play her you know except for like a handful of the matchups other things she started off really bad but then got of course very 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 good yeah um like how do you gentlemen look at that do you do you feel like that's overall a pretty good success for the character well we've i've been analyzing this from a uh, more broad perspective and it, i don't think we can really have this conversation especially the way we've kind of been moving it without bringing up this whole idea of how strong should you make a dlc character in order to get interest versus you know if you go too far on the other side of this you have that they're broken and they're hurting the gameplay balance and it f has felt like we're analyzing just on that slide and you know you go too far in one direction they're broken you go too far the other no one cares but our conversation earlier about alex and how hey he's never been that strong but he's very satisfying and fun to play is another part of that that I, at least i have not been factoring into the discussion and in, in this approach and i and i haven't seen many others talk about it so that's also part of this. Uh, I, I don't see how you can analyze it without thinking of, of that as well. Um, but when I think of Ibuki, it's like she didn't seem like she was very good. And I don't know how fun she was to play. It didn't seem like she was more fun than, than anyone else. It, she felt kind of dud-y. I was going to say dudley, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't work for us here. Um, so, And a lot of these characters, save for maybe Urien was he has some pretty cool satisfying Aegis stuff, Urien and Alex, and maybe Guile's booms um, and his V-Trigger stuff. I, I don't know how how, much, how exciting these characters were, and none of them were all that strong at the time. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to judge Ibuki. Like, I would say, if you look at Street Fighter V as a whole, Ibuki is a success. I think she is a well-implemented character. Uh, she has some BS. A lot of people hate her. I understand that. But she's a strong character. The people who play her like her a lot. I had a lot of fun with her myself. And she has some unique systems and stuff for her. Like, you know, her kunai she needs to keep track of and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the question becomes, okay, so Ibuki is a successful character in Street Fighter V. She's well implemented. Was she a successful character in Season 1? Can we accredit that Correct. to Season 1? And that's where it becomes murky. Because, like you were saying she didn't actually feel like she was lighting up anyone's heart in season one. Nobody seemed all that excited when she came out. Um, she didn't add a lot to the experience, right? Like it didn't feel like she did. Yeah. And, and her path afterwards is like she became bro She became broken for dumb reasons with like you can't see the mix-up sort of stuff. And I'm sure that was fun to do. A lot of people flocked to her in season two. And then she was she, she went way too high for a while with she was good but not for the right reasons. And that's been slowly but surely regulated down where she's still a very strong character. But um, I think she's in a place now where it's, it's balanced enough. But still those mix-ups are fun to do i mean throwing that that uh giant shuriken and it coming back is that how you say that they said yeah that right? uh, well right enough <laughs> cool maso menos yeah uh anyways like she she's certainly become that and i want to clarify but you're right like the focus within season one it, it felt like she didn't add a lot to the experience she didn't excite people to sit down and play the game as much as far as i can tell yeah because she wasn't that good and she at the time wasn't that exciting uh as she got better she certainly did get more exciting uh, and therefore maybe more satisfying, yeah. but not at the time. I think if we're looking at it, season one, in like a in a bubble of when it 
came out, if we're looking at it like relative to its time, I would say that the duds of that season were as far as like how they play, how they feel, how they lighted up the community, are Ibuki and Juri. Mm-hmm. Uh, those characters didn't really light people up. But if we look at Street Fighter V as a whole, I would say Ibuki quickly stopped being a dud. Yes. Jury... Well, the jury's still out. <laughs> Ten points! <laughs> I don't know, like, it's hard to say with her because nobody still seems that excited about, like... How she, like, the most common thing I see when we get patch notes is, why didn't you do more for jury? And, I mean, I don't know how bad she really is, you know, I didn't play her, I, I've played decent amounts against her, I don't think she's useless, but I think a lot of that resentment from having her changed, because she was a very unique character in Street Fighter 4, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. having her changed to a completely different type of character when she was already so popular, I think a lot of that resentment still is there. Uh, and I also think on top of that, she hasn't really been that amazing and people aren't like finding this thrill of playing her. And I think those two things combined kind of bring her down. Yeah, let's sure. actually get into Jury here. We'll, we'll skip Balrog here just for a second. We'll come right back to him. But um, one of the things that really jumps out to me about this character is just how legit her CFN usage is. Um, mm. She is not regarded well. I know Infiltration had some success with her. A few other players have done some stuff with Jury, and then she got inexplicably like nerfed in later seasons. So it was like she wasn't that good, and it's like, okay, let's nerf her a little bit more. And it's like, <laughs> why? But... All that said, she has a lot of fans, and those fans are are very passionate about her. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I get the success has not been there for her overall, but it's like a character that that is smart to include just because of how passionate and dedicated the fan base is for her. Like, it's like, yeah, I I get it, you know, so. That was a win in design and personality of the character, which uh, Capcom's... I want to say hit or miss. They're they're more often miss, but when they hit, they can hit really well. And that was just the success of this character. I think, um, just like there's no one like her, and she's like she's such a bad girl. She's very sexual. So there's like a lot of things that are uh, attractive about her as a character. But I think that a lot of what has carried her through Street Fighter V is just that mostly. People are devoted to her, and that's good. I mean, she'll she'll probably be around forever just on that. Yeah. But hopefully, she also gets better. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously hard to prove or disprove, but I do agree with you. I think it's her personality and how popular as a character she is more than anything else. But we can't prove that. That's just what I think. Um, what I will say about Jury is, for the longest time, she was the only Street Fighter Four newcomer um, who came back in Street Fighter Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I don't think anyone in their right mind could disagree that she was far and away the most popular new character from Street Fighter 4, as far as like a broad view of the franchise was, you know, people who might not be into Street Fighter definitely knew Jury way more than they knew Fuerte, right? Uh, and I think she's been a big success for Capcom overall as a character, uh, regardless of how her Street Fighter 5 inclusion ended up. So moving on here to Balrog, um, 
he was initially leaked actually at a trade show. It could have been E3, it could have been something else, as a CPU-controlled opponent. We actually broke the footage of this as Dream King was there and recorded it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Capcom, like, started, like, letting people get to, like, round three of arcade mode or whatever, whatever it was at the time. And then they would, like, start resetting the machine so people could not see Balrog in advance of him being actually revealed. Um, that is, of course, the theme of Street Fighter V of, like, massive leaks and other issues and whatnot. But Balrog was one of the, the characters who... Had a defining moment there with that. Um, in terms of how good he was, I know that, uh, again, Dream King, he actually played him initially. He thought he was a pretty decent character. Uh, everyone remembers the very broken Season 2 Balrog that we got, uh, where he was just lighting up everything. Um, I think it was Bonchan had a very derogative term uh, for whoever designed him, and Capcom heard about that and was livid. I mean, I, uh, I, wa- I want to just jump in. If you yeah. say it in Japanese, it's not derogatory. I mean, gotcha. the person who the person who translated it, I wouldn't say he picked the wrong word because, like, the he, he kind of picked the wrong word. <laughs> but okay. it's not <laughs> what, what he said isn't derogatory in Japanese. So, like, I don't want anyone to hold anything against Bonchan for what he gotcha. said. Gotcha. But yeah, mo- go on. Yeah, but Capcom, uh, we did hear that they were livid about that statement. They were not happy, and I mean, again, it's like. They decided the character. Who are you going to play if it's not Bonchan's fault? Like, it's, uh, but anyway, but before then, he was okay. He was, he was pretty solid. He, you saw definitely people playing him. They loved his new look. Uh, he looked like Balrog on steroids, which is kind of what you would expect from that type of character to just be bigger and badder than ever, right? Uh, he had kind of a new style. I don't know if he added a lot of new flavors to the game. Like, I, I didn't, he didn't jump out at me as being like, oh, this is a completely different character than what we've had. He's rushed down. He's in your face, all that other kind of stuff. The moveset was different, but yeah, it's, um, that's kind of how I looked at the character. I, I saw him as a decent addition, but like Nick said, it's like, he wasn't thrilled about him from a popularity standpoint and other stuff. He was he was just there. But but how did you guys feel? I mean, it's that. Partly the popularity thing, but also that you took a character who's traditionally been known as something of a turtler. You know, he gets very in-your-face once he gets going, but he's still kind of a cautious footsie character and basically made him into a crazy rushdown monster, which Street Fighter V was already not in short supply of. So, just like you were saying, he didn't feel like he really landed anything new, while a more classic Balrog design probably would have. And that was kind of weird. But I still think he was a successful addition. I mean, we have a lot of people playing him. And one thing I've heard a lot of people say ever since his release is that he kind of scratches an itch for Dudley players. And we've seen Smug play Balrog all of five, because... Now his gameplay was a little bit more Dudley-esque where he would open you up and then he'd do this crazy amounts of damage and corner carry. Um, So I think they kind of aimed to do something of a hybrid there, maybe because he was a relatively unpopular character to like, I don't know, make him more exciting-ish. I would say he's pretty satisfying in the way he lands punches and the way um, it like feels to do his moves. Um, Save for his super is a little underwhelming to me, but... That's his own thing, but he was one of those sort of like expected characters. Uh, I mean, he wasn't super popular in four, but he had a presence, and especially with people like PL, PR Balrog and uh, Kino and, and such. Like Balrog was part of the scene, so he kind of falls into that uh, expected batch of characters and just an extension of the launch roster. He was pretty average. Like he wasn't a failure, but he didn't seem to be this shining star in any respect either. It was just like, yeah, all right, Balrog's here, and uh, he's, there's a few different things. He's wearing his thing on his head now, and okay, cool, and yeah, all right, cool. It makes sense. I mean, what's next? And that was sort of the the impact Balrog had. It was very just like 
five out of ten, mm. you know, sort of a thing. Yeah. So finishing up here with season one, uh, I want to talk about, in my opinion, one of the best additions to Street Fighter Five, and that's Urien. Um, I get it that they miss the mark with with balance here in season two. Uh, he was bordering on broken, stupid. Like how yeah. dumb he was. That that flow video that we always talk about, where he he taught the Urian master class and it was hit stand heavy punch over and over and over again until you got V trigger and then kill the opponent. And it, it like it was like he scripted it, but it was an online ranked match. He was playing against a Karen player who was competent and good, and like it was like he scripted it, like of how dumb it was. I couldn't not believe how well that that came together that's how ah, this character was but that's not what I want to look back at I want to look back at how he impacted the game and how he still impacts the game right now um he is one as I've mentioned before one of the most popular characters on CFN which I think is a good thing I know a lot of people take issue with his design but he hasn't dominated the game since season two like I I feel like he's a presence he's there I get people don't like how he plays but he's he has weaknesses. He has clear weaknesses that you can exploit. You can shut down. Uh, he's been at some points in time too good. But yeah, that's that's kind of how I look at Urian. But but how do you guys feel? Uh, I agree, except for the whole weaknesses. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like you you said we have people who hate him. I mean, we have one right here in this call. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a secret that uh, Raptor is not a big fan of Urian. Yeah. Um, well, that's I got I got to be careful there because I I do think that objectively speaking or like looking at the game from certain points of view, yeah, he's a he's a good addition. I think they've been pretty crappy about his balance and and he's had very innate advantages in the Street Fighter 5 atmosphere over others and to me like sure it happens. I don't even season season 2 was even too much for they should have known by that time that the things that he had was were, were broken, especially when you're talking about um, in you know the the input lag that was going on at the time and such. And there are other parts of the game. Uh, he was a dumb character, and he's been tweaked down. But still, like there are certain things about him. Uh, anyways, so I don't like that about him. But he's also got a lot of interest, and um, people enjoy playing him. The Aegis, like we still watch Aegis combos, right, and and resets and such. Like that that has. Been been an absolutely successful addition to the experience <laughs> now at times very much a frustrating one if you're on the other side of, a, of an aegis but or in the middle of two of them but as far as being able to watch and add to like the esports factor and and the uh, the satisfaction of playing the character he's good in that sense he's just too strong of a character um and in the way he's too strong is kind of bonkers i don't have a comment on that like, I don't think you're wrong, but I don't necessarily agree either. But we're not really, at least I'm not gonna go too deep into like how good Urian is or why. But yeah, and that's not necessarily what we're getting at here anyway. But I mean, you could ask, you could comment on how good was he in the, uh, I mean, it was just, it, he came out in September right. of 2016. So you only had a few months. Right. It's kind of he's he's one that sort of falls between or you know between the cracks when you try to analyze that because it really wasn't enough time to to have the character come to any kind of a fruition yet and then we were on to season two where he got a bunch of buffs and then that's where everyone remembers him for balance reasons but do we take that snapshot at the like the last couple of months of season one and say uh, he was X Y Z balanced and that's what contributed to his his hype or do you kind of give him a pass? This is where I kind of want to go back to what I was talking about before where I think I actually think that Urian is the most successful character in season one 
I don't know if you said the most successful or one of the most successful John, but you said like he him was, and Guile. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think he was the most successful because he started to break down this idea that new DLC characters were automatically bad. And yeah. even though he had everything stacked against him, because like you said, he was such a late character, but we saw RB at the last chance qualifier and he did amazing stuff. It was really sick. People started seeing Yuri and being like, wow, this character is really good. The problem was Capcom didn't get that memo because they, <laughs> you need to do balance patches way in advance. These these changes aren't done like the day before they come out. They're done much earlier. And they'd seen every character be flamed for being too bad when they came out. So they probably mm. just figured nobody's playing Urien. It's the same thing here. And then by the time we saw Urien's potential, it was too late. They'd already implemented these changes. We just didn't see them until a month or two later. I think that's what happened when season two came around for Yurian. But I think Yurian was already a very strong character in season one. I think he brought definite new flavors to the game. Aegis mix-ups, like we were saying, we're still seeing them today. And they're still fresh. We still see stuff that we haven't seen before or like in new different ways from what we've seen before. Um, he has a varied moveset. I mean, this is a character... It, Tokido said it. I feel like I can do anything with this character. He has an extreme degree of freedom. And that's what Street Fighter V was, according to many people, lacking. So I think Yurian was a very good breath of fresh air and an amazing way to round out Season 1. Yeah. And his story's been cool. I mean, now he's the best character in the game. So. Supposedly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking the beat on that one. Not yet. So. <laughs> oh, well, good, because that'd make the podcast way too long. <laughs> All right, so that, that wraps us up there for season one. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into season two here. And sure. I, I want to kick this off and say I think this probably is the best outcome for tournament results of any season for DLC cast members. Uh, the, the, who, who came in here, and I'll just read them off in order, Akuma, Colleen, Ed, Abigail, Manat, Zeku. And, and people are like, okay, those were, you know, but if you look over it, you look over the tournament results of Street Fighter V throughout its lifespan, this has been, the, I think, hands down, the best cast members we've ever seen. Uh, and it's just like, Ed is kind of like the one little, like, eh, in there. But, like, some of these characters have had times where they've actually dominated the tournament scene for a while. And Akuma still is dominating the tournament scene for that uh, matter. Pretty but, much. Yeah. Um, it, but I want to take people back, actually, to how Capcom announced this. And uh, pardon me, I'm going to bring up Ono trolling here, but Akuma, uh, he said, like, oh, I never said it was Akuma. Like, everyone could clearly see it was Akuma. And now people are, Akuma is one of the most popular video game characters around. Not just fighting game characters, video game characters. Akuma is huge. He's right up there with Ryu and Ken. He's iconic beyond belief. So he's huge. And then Capcom comes out and says, hey, guess what? We know that you love returning characters. No other returning characters that you know are going to be in this. Everyone else is brand new. I was, my mind was blown. I was livid. I was like, you have all these iconic characters and you're going to bring brand new characters across the board. What are you doing? I was so mm. mad at the time. But like, how did you guys feel when you heard that? I think... A lot of people were very mad. I was also kind of mad, but mo more than anything, the reason people were mad, and I was mad, not the reason, but part of it, was that they showed silhouettes. They yes. showed us Akuma, and Akuma's coming out in a week or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly the details, but 
Yeah, Akuma's coming soon. Okay, great. Everyone's hype. It's Akuma. And then he showed silhouettes for five characters. Everyone went into overdrive. Everyone was like, oh, BOM! We need to figure out who are these characters? How do we do this? And uh, then, like, I think during the same presentation, like 10 minutes later or whatever, they were like, oh, season two is going to have nothing but new characters. I'm like, what's the point of showing us silhouettes yeah. of stuff we have no idea what it's... Like, we can't do anything with these silhouettes. So what is the point? And that pissed everyone off to an extreme degree because they were basically just sitting there and taunting you. And uh, that just made it even worse. If they'd just been straight up after Kuman said, all the others are going to be new, there would be a lot of backlash, but it wouldn't have been as bad as the way they presented it. And that's just the story of Street Fighter V. They keep doing this over and over again. And it's insane how you can look at every season and you can see instances of it. Capcom stumbled through season one in a lot of ways with PR. And there's a certain leash we're going to give because it was the first time they were doing this in a lot of ways. And so it's like, okay, yeah, we'll figure it out. And then people are still going to get mad, but yeah, they'll still forgive Street Fighter. And, and that actually is something that is, you know carries on throughout the entirety of Street Fighter V so far. So, But um, there, it wasn't in very good charismatic standing with its fan base and on the PR side of things. And then Akuma happened, and in the same morning, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was revealed. And there wasn't too much of a leak for that. There was like the oh, Marvel Four or something like that, but we didn't know it was Infinite. I don't, I don't believe. And and the point is, those the, that was like a wham bam. Like the hype was brought up instantly. Akuma looked uh, the 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 weird Simba beard was different, but it was <laughs> forgivable. And he's he had some really badass looking moves. The way he could like slam you down with his DP, the um, the demon looked pretty cool. And then, hey, you're gonna get to play him today because we were at the PlayStation, or I was at the PlayStation experience for this, and we got to go inside and check him out and see. It was very exciting. The hype was there. And then with that announcement that all of the rest of the characters are gonna be newcomers, I remember it. I was, I, I remember sitting there. I remember where I was standing and going. Ugh, like just all that hype was sucked out of me. I was like, dude, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Sagat. There were rumors that they saw play testings in NorCal of Sakura and Sagat. Like I heard that from an individual that I trust on this front. And, uh, but I mean, they weren't in season two and it, it was just, it took all the wind out of the sails and it, it really sucked. It, I was just like, that, that's, that's lame, man. And that's what season two felt like. It was a PR nightmare for for a while because we're like, okay, cool, well, what's coming? And like as the characters come out, it's like, all right, that's that's interesting, uh, sort of. But we weren't able to get hype leading up to it. There were so many opportunities. Each one of these releases is a major opportunity to spike the hype wave, and and they just they immediately muted the whole thing by doing it this way. And, and that was lame, man. Yeah. yeah. People generally get excited about stuff they know. It's why Street Fighter 3 was cited as too big of a departure for Capcom. Too few returning characters. And I'm going to get just a little off subject here and talk about Led Zeppelin. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, one of the best rock songs of all time considered by most people. They asked Led Zeppelin, like, hey, wasn't it like just magical and amazing the first time you guys played that live? Like, wasn't it crazy? And they're like, no. No, the audience was like, what is this? We don't know the song. Play a whole lot of love. <laughs> and it's like it's like okay this is one of the best songs of all time like i don't care you know it, and it's just people love what they know and it's hard to get people excited about this stuff but you look at this on the other end of the coin and you look at how the season turned out and then you see what capcom can do with completely blank 
canvases. This is, again, I, I say this with no amount of joking or anything like that, probably the most successful tournament season uh, for character balance and other things that Capcom has ever done. Season two was brilliant in a lot of regards in terms of adding dynamic gameplay, brand new things we'd never seen before in a Street Fighter game. It was pretty mm -hmm. wild, like how good this was. You could even argue this with, with season five now with Ed, this was a perfect six for six. Every character worked out in this. Um, that's it's, you know, that's stretching a little bit because Ed has been terrible since you know it, before this mo moment. But even then, five out of six is crazy for the amount that this season has had going for it success wise. Yeah, every character brought something interesting and new. Like Akuma was Akuma, and and he he's a little bit separated because he's also the legacy character, and he came way before. But then Colleen comes in, and we're not sure what to think of her. But when she's finally revealed, she looks pretty cool. She has these ice powers. She can freeze the stun bar. Like that was definitely turning some heads. As were you know some of her costumes and such. It's like hey, that's a pretty successful character. Ed was interesting in that. Uh, well, I always thought Ed looked pretty goofy and i was really hoping he'd be have the skinny uh hood thing going on but then they buffed him up and that kind of looks lame too but he was he he certainly got us talking not necessarily for the right reasons but we we're comparing him to you know eminem and his theme mm. music and but we we were intrigued we were like what are they going to do with this and he had simple inputs that was the thing about ed too it's like oh this is going to be like the newcomer's character and and it's going to be easier to do dps and is this going to have an effect and is he going to be broken because of it and and whatnot and and of course he was the dud and he shortly thereafter kind of fizzled out and never really kind of came back so far but i mean there, there was reason to talk about him and he was exciting in certain ways abigail grabbed everyone's attention immediately he was also the glitched too big in the trailer which was fun i mean um but he was bigger than anyone ever bigger than hugo that's a head turner you know and then and he was his personality was certainly worth talking about for a while he was so big and he had these command grabs and the run and like it, it was definitely something to explore Monot maybe the most successful here and and certainly now going to be in street fighter i think in the same capacity jury is because Monot's just amazing on many levels save for her uh, crossover double costume but we don't have to talk about that <laughs> zeku is strider and has two different forms it's like well, we didn't have that yet in this game everyone brought stuff to the table not with the orb i should say that's a that's a very uh different than anyone else has a unique kind of a mechanic so yeah this was definitely a bunch of new ground but we couldn't get hype for any of it until after the fact yeah and i need to jump in there because we've talked about the gameplay it's been Highly successful for most of these characters, uh, even though I think with each of them, people said they were bad at the beginning still, and then they mm -hmm. turned out not to be. Akuma in particular, everyone was saying Akuma was terrible because he wasn't Street Fighter 4 Akuma, so he's bad, then he won Evo, and everyone was like, okay, maybe he's good. <laughs> but more importantly, the PR during Season 2 was not just the reveal. I remember, because I was in Japan uh, shortly after Colleen's release, and the attitude among players in Japan was absolutely dire because they added Akuma. Everyone wanted Akuma. Okay, so Akuma's there. They added Colleen, who has a model in the story mode. Everyone was almost positive the next one would be Ed, who also has a model in the story mode. So up until Abigail, the general attitude in Japan and elsewhere was we're going to get 
Giles Boss from the background of his stage. We're going to get Rashid's butler. Byron Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, yes. Byron yeah. Taylor. And we're going to yeah. get, uh, I think, Azim. I don't remember. Rashid's oh butler. God, yeah. yeah. Everyone was so sure we were... And a doll. And maybe and a doll. That was yeah. everyone was saying. And everyone was absolutely devastated. Everyone thought this was going to be the biggest trash fire known to man. Despite Colleen having interesting gameplay, that wasn't really the point. The point was, this is extremely low budget, it's lazy, you know, th this was the thing people built up in their minds, and it just escalated because of Colleen and then Ed. Despite the characters being relatively interesting and Ed having a completely different model, I think Colleen also had a different model, uh, different face and everything from what she actually had in story mode. And then Abigail came, and he crushed the whole illusion that we would only be getting these characters but he was also a very poorly received character at his reveal yes he was not warmly welcomed then he came out people warmed up more to him or they hated playing against him it was a bit of both but it was around that time that people started paying attention to this leak that had actually been posted I don't know if it was on Event Hubs he posted first. It was on, on Event Hubs. It was Voltron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, exactly. Sorry. I went into Swedish. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Floatron posted that, I think, like, at Akuma's reveal, something like that. And something he said, around there. Yeah. yeah. And he said all of these characters. So now everyone knew, okay, we're getting Menat and we're getting Seku. And Seku was a character people knew because he was in the story before. He was Guy's master. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, people started getting excited. And Menat's reveal. Everyone was hype through the roof. And then mm -hmm. she came out, everyone was even more hype. She was a massive success. And by the time Manat was shown, people had started coming around a bit more to Colleen, Ed, and Abigail. Abigail in particular, because he, he probably had the biggest turnaround of any character, uh, even though he's not that popular now either. Like the, I can't exaggerate how bad the reaction was to his reveal. <laughs> it was insane. Like, I was fine with it. I didn't really mind him. I was like, oh, it looks kind of fun. But, you know, the reaction was very bad. So by the time Seku rolled around, I think that was the first time in Street Fighter V's lifespan that Capcom actually were in a good place PR-wise. But not really through their own methods, but because of a leak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy accident right there, right? Pretty um, much. Okay, so let's get into more of the individual characters here, but I, we've hit on Akuma already pretty well, and we've spent entire podcast on this character, uh, so I actually want to get right back to Colleen um, and mention that, okay, so she showed up in the game story mode as Helen, and um, they actually changed her face and a few other things about the character, which was quite interesting, uh, and then I remember uh, um, Lupe Fiasco, he actually had the intro song with her. Uh, it's uh, it's not designed like that. That was her trailer coming out. That really sick baseline and all that other kind of stuff. I actually remember her being pretty damn hype. Uh, and it's like, oh, this is a character. This is um, this is Gil's secretary. You know, does this mean Gil is going to be in the game at some point? Like, I remember like her ice powers and other stuff. Like, she was a pretty hype character. Uh, that's how I saw her initially, anyway. But she was already revealed as Gil's secretary in the story mode, right? Right. Yeah, uh, but sure. And like gameplay wise, I also remember people being like, oh, she's kind of cool. And, you know, this uh, freezing the stun bar mechanic is pretty sick. But the dark clouds surrounding the implications of her inclusion were still there. Mm -hmm. 
Like, even though people saw her and were, she's kind of cool, I don't really mind this character, they were still like, but we're going to get Byron Taylor. <laughs> that, that's what everyone was saying. And uh, it was like, she's probably going to be the best of this bunch. And uh, that's not what we want, kind of. And that's not what ended up happening. That was people's imaginations going wild. At the same time, I couldn't really blame them. But uh, I think Colleen is a character that had an okay reveal. I don't remember particular controversy when she was shown but i also think she's a character that has aged very well yes yes like the reception to her now is very good and her in-game ability was it was again it's that new character they're not you're going to probably rate them as worse than they really are just because you got to give it more time and akuma was said to be like not very good for a while too he suffered from that and i don't know how much of it was any buffs into season three versus people just not knowing how to play him very well in season two but um, I remember that Akuma wasn't it wasn't regarded as really good. Colin wasn't regarded as really good. So uh, th- there wasn't a ton of really strong uh, gameplay from these characters uh, until the next season, and then a couple of them got ridiculous. Uh, Akuma but... was strong in season two too. Uh, Tokido won Evo that year with him. Uh, it was more that people were just down on him in the beginning because he wasn't Street Fighter Four Akuma. Colleen and he took time though. He wasn't season one Ryu either. So no, true. <laughs> they're like, hey, he's not just dominating everything. It's like, no, yeah. he's still really good. You know. Yeah, yeah. but Akuma so, was not a question of buffs. It was just people yeah. not understanding how to play the character and not looking at Tokido. And then Tokido came and beat everyone. Yeah. Very, very oh, hard. Right. I didn't realize that was the year. Yeah, so it was just a matter of people figuring him yeah. out. So fair enough. Um, but Colleen, I don't think ever rose too high until she got to, I think it was like with the V-Trigger 2s and that was in season three, yeah. right? where she started to kind of become more on the radar. And I think she's been, like, easily a top 15, probably a top 10 for a while now. Like, And I don't think many people would argue that. Not the absolute best, but she's got some stuff, man. Yeah. But in Season 2, she was never really viewed as more than, meh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think the Trigger 2 really opened her up as a character. Yes, and she has a very rewarding and style, um, like it's, you don't typically mind losing to Colleen. V-Trigger 2 can get frustrating, but it's like she has enough of the the footsies, the Street Fighter we expect, that it's like, okay, this is good. Like, I enjoy playing against this character. And then her CFN usage is pretty solid. It's not amazing, but it's like, hey, this is a character you're going to run into at some point in time. Um, You know, overall, like, hey, this is pretty good, right? Uh, Then we get into Ed. Uh, Ed has either been the worst character in the game um, since he came out, or like second worst. He's been miserable, but as you guys mentioned before, he had the easy inputs. That was a big controversial move there um, to kind of get us started with. And then, uh, of course, as you guys already talked about, his costume was just abysmal. Uh, everyone wanted the Eminem Ed, you know, kind of thing. They wanted that that character we knew from Street Fighter Four, and like he has some kind of weird accelerated growth and just kind of like. Yeah, like Capcom kind of. It would be sick to see him that powerful, but it's you know it's like all the power is just coming from the psycho power that's surging through him. Like that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know. Like he's just the skinny dude, but he can still uppercut you with one hand and knock you up into the air, and and then he has like Spider Man webs. Like that, that's some cool stuff about him. But making him buff just it's weird. Yeah, I've gotten used to it, but I was also kind of shocked at the first reveal. I think he's a pretty cool character. What? This this kind of moves out of the area we're discussing, I guess. But what I think is weird about him, from a like, yeah, from a franchise perspective, is that 
Capcom made a conscious decision with Street Fighter V to place it between Street Fighter IV and Free in the timeline, because Street Fighter Free is the last one, story-wise, and to bridge that gap. And they've done that by adding Gil and everything, right? So, like, the story's supposed to move to Street Fighter Free now. But then they open up these brand new story threads with Ed and having, like, a new Shadaloo and stuff like that that probably needs to be wrapped up before you get to Street Fighter Free. So kind of delaying the storyline even more when they could have just, like, dealt with Street Fighter Free and then placed his story after it. It just makes no sense from a story perspective. And I understand that Capcom don't give a crap about their story, but why are they pretending to give a crap and then not giving a crap? That's what really grinds my gears. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, <they're laughs> yeah. Like, we totally give a crap about... No, we don't. Like, halfway through the statement, they're like, yeah, we really don't. It's fine. And that's yeah. what we're going to do again in, like, you know, two years or whatever. But um, I, I want to ask you guys... I think people were hype enough about Ed. He's actually semi-popular on CFN, especially for how weak he's been. And I want to ask this question of you guys. Did Ed just suck so bad that that's what killed the character? Kind of killed momentum with him and all that? Like, is, was it just how weak he was? Or, or was there something else do you guys think? I think it's just that. Because even, I think he's a decently common character online. I think when you see him in a tournament, people get hyped. You usually get hyped for low tiers. But like, you're not going to get hyped for a low tier that's boring to watch. You just aren't. So people get hyped because he has this interesting, you know, hit and run style, which is very boxing. And he is a boxer, so it fits and it's cool and it's interesting. Nobody else does it quite the same way that he does. Um, I think he's a very, like, smartly made character, but because of the easy inputs, it's very easy to make him broken. And they probably course corrected a bit too far. You know what's frustrating about him, though, specifically? Like, there, there can be frustrating things about characters that are not deal-breakers. But with Ed, I feel this with close-ranged characters. Like Nikali, there's a handful of times where combos won't work from certain distances, where they absolutely will for other characters, and you just go, like, that sucks, you know? Because, like, I know if Akuma hit me with a knee from there, it was a full combo into whatever. But this actually ends up for me, like, if I hit confirm from here, I actually get hit because it's, they block or whatever. And Ed was that on steroids right. because his basic combos wouldn't even work. So, sure, maybe you get past the lame appearance because he did... I think he had really cool um, uh, moves mm -hmm. with, the, you know, like the spider webs and, and uh, his V-trigger was like the orb. And there's a lot of potential in that. And it's cool. It's like this giant orb that you can throw at him and it hits him multiple times and you can use it to combo. His animation for a super was a little long, but hey, it's like it's pretty cool and satisfying. And his uppercuts, he could bounce you around with them. Like Ed had potential there for sure, but he looked kind of dumb in my opinion, and he was extremely frustrating to play and in a way that's just such a turnoff. So maybe he got plenty of people to check him out, sure, but after a while of, of being rewarded with whiffs or or with uh, just, you know, blocking into getting punished, it's like, no thank you. Yeah, so. I, yeah I actually agree. I kind of forgot about that, but that's something they've worked on basically every patch to try and fix on it, is the problems where his stuff just plain does not work. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why that was so prevalent with him specifically, but it was, and it has been. I think it's relatively fixed now, but these are the kind of issues where you don't really know them unless you play the character or speak to someone who plays the character because it's not readily uh, apparent if you're not yeah. the one playing. When you play a character that is 
I, I'm going to say the word incomplete here, and I kind of want to highlight, underline that. You fill it in a way that is – that character just can't win at the highest of levels. It, it just – you you have both arms tied behind your back at that point, and, and I don't even know what you're supposed to do. And it, it's that's why I look at Ed and I go, man, they really jacked up his release. Like he he just was broken bad almost to it in some respects. I mean, again, you could win with them, but it just like you were so limited compared to most other cast members. It was It was rough. But, uh, but yeah. And I got to say, I, I do very specifically remember there was, um, I guess it would have been the ending of Balrog's story in Street Fighter 4, right? Yes. Or one of the versions. And that's where we saw Ed. And I don't remember the, the specifics of what happens, but it's something like they have a real relationship. And it like made Balrog into an interesting character story wise for like a second. And it was... It was like, is this the person that Balrog's now gonna? It's like gonna change his life because he has to take care of him because he was this this bison clone that's now helpless and like dying, but he has some psycho power. And it's like Balrog suddenly has to become a mentor. Like what? And then I think Balrog actually just ends up leaving him, and it feels almost tragic. And it's like, how could you ever feel bad or or sad about something that Balrog's doing or something that's involved with him? But that that moment. I don't even think I had watched it during Street Fighter Four, but we, had, you know, it got brought up when Ed was uh, was in production. And we were getting close to his release date, and I remember that being very like I was interested in like, dude, where are they gonna go with this mysterious character? And again, it goes into like he's like this little skinny kid that doesn't look like he packs a powerful punch, but then he does, and he has psycho power, and he has some Balrog boxing. It's like that could have been really cool. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh... In Street Fighter 4, as far as I can remember, he's really just a kid, like, kid, kid. Then yeah. in Street Fighter Five cinematic story, he shows up, and he's, uh, yeah, he's kind of a scrawny, like, I don't know what he's supposed to be in the main game, I don't know, 17 maybe, I don't know, ish. And then, like, in the story mode where he shows up, he's probably more like 13, in, in mm-hmm. body type or whatever. Uh, and that's when Balrog is still like taking care of him and hanging out with him. Then I think it's actually in his character story in Five where Balrog uh, leaves him or abandons him or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, so that was something that like they actually had some sort of plan for and worked forwards with. So I think like I, I agree narratively, Ed actually made Balrog more interesting because the most mm-hmm. interesting thing Balrog ever did before that was punch one of Dalsim's elephants to death. Yes, that, that's the <laughs> only interesting thing he ever did. <laughs> Literally, yes, I agree. Um, yeah, so I think Ed was a success in every way except gameplay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So moving on here, uh, let's get into Abigail. And uh, for those who don't know, he's basically based on uh, a King Diamond. Uh, he's uh, in Final Fight. Uh, Abigail was actually, you know, it was a, kind of a hype character to add if you're a big Final Fight fan. Um, but Dream King was through the roof, just over the moon about getting a King Diamond character in, in a fighting game. And I wish we had a camera on Dream King for his reaction um, when he was revealed at Evo because Nick was like, Nick, I think you can tell the story a little bit better here. So I'll let you jump in. I wanted to set that stage. Go ahead and continue. Oh, man. It was like seeing someone's puppy get shot in front of their eyes. <laughs> and I only saw it digitally because we were text chatting. You know, we were working Evo. He was doing the new stuff. I was doing the tournament coverage. And he'd been talking about Abigail all weekend, like all month, let's be honest, because we know knew Abigail was coming because at this point the leak had been... It was solidly after Ed's reveal. The leak became reality. Everyone was like, okay, this leak is the real deal. Uh, we're going to get Abigail. So 
Steven had been going on non-stop about Abigail. And I am a big Final Fight fan. So I was like, oh, more Final Fight characters. I'm I'm always happy to see that. I'm excited. And uh, But I wasn't as invested. And Steven was already talking about how he's going to main this character. He was so excited for him. He was so hyped. And the entire weekend, Evo was going on. Several games that we both care about. Several reveals. I think like most other companies had bigger reveals. I think that was the year Geese came for Tekken, I think, which was gigantic. The whole time they showed anything for any other game, Steven was just waiting for Abigail. That was the only thing he <laughs> cared about. He was just nonstop. I I want to see Abigail. I want to see Abigail. I want to see Abigail. And then we get boom, boom, coming in. And... <laughs> It's like that thing from The Simpsons, you know. You can you can pinpoint the the frame where his heart breaks because Steven just went completely quiet. He stopped typing entirely. Justin and I were sitting there and we were like, "Is he still here? What happened? Is, should someone call him?" And then after like, I don't even remember exactly what he said. But it wasn't anger. It was just deep, deep disappointment, like bordering on depression. And uh, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't the same for like a week. And then Abigail came out, he tried him, and he was hype again. Because yes. the character yes. wasn't, the trailer was not very representative of the character. Yes. I guess. In some ways it was, but in some ways not. Well, I mean, uh, they, they jacked up his body type, like, from the get-go. Yeah, so because was, he it, was in V-Trigger. Yeah. Even yes. though he wasn't red, he had yeah. the V-Trigger body type. So he looked even goofier because his head looked so unbelievably tiny. It's already kind of looks that way, but it look, it was worse. So he just looked like the most ridiculous caricature. And, I mean, he is a ridiculous character. He has the Bomb! maple leaf as a, a mohawk, you know? Just because he's Canadian, it's the weirdest thing. Um, but he's a he's an interesting character. But the thing is, Steven's image was that it would be this gigantic, cool character. I mean, bigger than Hugo. We already knew that. And sure, Hugo's a little bit goofy, but he's a very intimidating character. And Steven probably built him up to be like this final boss type guy, you know? And then we got that trailer. It was distracting the the whole thing was i remember my reaction to it was can you even throw this character yeah. that's what i wondered because he was so big and we were all wondering capcom are you changing the the dance on us big time here is this character going to be one of those that has like constant armor or something along those lines am i going to have to prepare for like an entirely different experience when i fight this character and and hey to to an extent sort of yeah. um, you know a little bit yeah. but um, and, and of course, he, he can be thrown, he can be command grab, all that stuff. But uh, he he posed a lot of questions that were distracting in the moment. So I couldn't appreciate him as much as I would have otherwise uh, because I was thinking about these other things that seemed weird or off. And maybe that was just me. But I know that it was uh, certainly going around on social media and such. And when that kind of a thing happens, anything that you do that distracts away from the hype of your reveal during your reveal is not a good look, you know. And so yeah. uh, the character was, I mean, he's hes supposed to be a little goofy. The fact that he, he pretends like he's a car and whatnot, it's like, yeah, fine. I mean, he's got tires around his arms and such. And it, they're having fun with it. 
And I think uh, in the it was it was questionable at the beginning. His story comes out and he, like it's motivated, or that the story is like continued because he farts, like dumb stuff like that. He's a goofy character, but he he still retains a certain sense of charm. And then he got ridiculously good the next season, so you saw him a ton of gameplay for him. And he's ultimately definitely found his place in Street Fighter V. Certainly a fairly polarizing character, but. He's he's accepted. He's definitely part of the roster. It's not the worst thing in the world to see him. He's kind of fun to watch. It's really fun to see Abigail uh, when you're not playing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, comebacks and whatnot, and especially now that it's not ridiculous like it was in season three. But yeah, ultimately it was a rough start. But uh, <laughs> maybe he stalled a little bit at the beginning. Ten points. It worked out, and it worked out within season two. Like before season two was over, people had begun to warm up to Abigail. He wasn't, you know, necessarily turning heads for any reason, good or bad, but he wasn't also being distracting, and there, it was it was worth playing him. He was kind of different. Uh, people were probably going to give him a little bit more time of exploration because he was so different, and uh, they wouldn't necessarily regard him as, as terrible, although... There is that what Nick brought up earlier, the the fact that he was so big, it's kind of there's an expectation. You know, with Hugo, people were thinking that too. And but Abigail, man, he he could he could armor break you. He had a he had some decent movement options because he was so big, he just reached so far with a bunch of his moves. So I think he was a pretty decent character, but yes, there's no way of getting around the fact that his launch was uh was distracting and, and a little shoddy. Just to go back to this, uh, Nick, didn't you say that like Dream King argued with you that Abigail wouldn't be a joke character, and you told him up and down he was totally going to be? That sounds right, but yeah. I, I don't remember <laughs> it entirely. But I, I, Oh, I think I remember. I wasn't like saying... Because I'm a big Final Fight fan, and I wasn't right. saying like he's going to be a joke character because of this, but it was that... Uh, Steven was like, he was so into this being a serious character. I don't know if I should go as far as to say dark character, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Um, and I said, Capcom are never going to do you right. <laughs> so he's going to be a joke character. I remember that now that you mention it. So I had been memeing him for a month at least, that Abigail was going to be a complete joke. So the shock when it happened was probably even worsened because he knew I was waiting with a smug anime girl picture. Now he had to face <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Because, I, I I mean, my meme magic for Street Fighter V has been off the oh. charts. I worked so hard to meme Honda into the game and I succeeded. I was very happy about that one. And uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of instances of, of this and I even forgot about the one with Abigail, but yeah, yeah. That worked yeah, out. Yeah, it's it, it, I. It, this is like when one of your friends gets owned so badly, you actually feel bad for them. Like you, you want to riff on your friends, but like when they get hit so hard, you're like, oh man, that was brutal. That's what happened with Abigail and Dream King. Um, and of course, he paid everyone back by playing season three Abigail and destroying all of us with it, and just wrecking havoc on our team. Uh, hey, I live in Sweden. I couldn't blame, so he it, didn't get any payback on me. He hit me so hard he got you too. That's how I look at it. But anyway, <laughs> anyway um, but um, I will just say it here to wrap up I, on Abigail. I, I, uh, I want to say something oh. before that. I want to say something before that because I need to call you out because this is the best thing. Oh, um, oh, you yeah. had played. You had played a lot against Stevens Abigail in season two, and I saw the buffs for season three Abigail, and I said Abigail is going to be a complete nightmare. He's going to be borderline broken, and you said. Ad verbatim, I do not fear season three Abigail. 
and you said he needs it. He's not good enough, so he needs these buffs. I don't see anything here that should be concerning. This is what you said. <laughs> that is mostly correct. I didn't say I don't see anything here that's mostly concerning, but I, I think I said I was definitely all right with the buffs. And what I just said about someone getting owned so badly, you feel bad for him. Hopefully people feel bad for me. <laughs> I definitely so did stupid. not. I was, I was smugging it up. I deserved it. I, I, I ate my own words for a good year, and I hated my existence for that. It was hard. Yeah. I'm I'm having PTSD because all of season three and our Skype chats and our interactions at work, were, like 90% of it was just discussions about the Minot-Abigail matchup, and both Steven and John thought the other character was broken, and there was just up and down and never agreeing, oh, yeah. and it was just like mom and dad fighting constantly throughout season three because of those two characters. It was always at least um, a 7 free, but yes. they, they, yeah. uh, they said yeah. it was. And it was in either exactly. direction. <laughs> I remember this well, um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna go and change the subject because sounds it makes like a good me, segue into yeah, not, it makes yeah. me look bad. But I will just finish up here and mention that uh, I, I will say that Abigail was a very new and interesting character for all the things that like he was not a traditional grappler. Um, they still call him a brawler or whatever. He was pretty cool from a design standpoint. They messed up on some aspects of him, but he was interesting. And, and again, he's, he's a tournament presence. And when you can make a, a grappler who is a tournament viable character, that doesn't happen very often. So I, I, I do, you know, tip my cap to Capcom in some respects about the character. It's he's on the rare side of making a character like that work. Yeah, I agree. I think Abigail was in general has been a very good character. Um, I think the problems are his season three buffs were insane yeah. and uh, his reveal was not good. Um, but the character, I think, was very interestingly implemented. I think he's a character with a lot of interesting tools and fun gimmicks. I think he has a ton of personality, just not the personality Steven was expecting. And uh, I think even players like Sako were playing him at the beginning because he... I remember Sako specifically said in an interview uh, we did with him that Abigail is a... This was before Season 3, mind you. He said, Abigail is a character that adequately rewards you for the time you put in. Uh, mm. Because he had these hard combos and everything, you know. You had to do, uh, I don't know if it was frame perfect specifically, but it was close to it. Where you had to start charging the move for it to juggle. And he had stuff like that, which was yep. very interesting. Uh, so he was a character that had a lot of easy, dumb stuff. But also some much harder stuff, which really unlocked the character's potential. So I think he was... Well designed. All right. So getting in next, uh, we have Manon. <clears throat> and uh, this character, of course, that, that I mean, um, for as much of success at a tournament level that she's been in the community reaction, she's also super low usage on CFN. Um, I don't know how well she's worked out as a DLC character sales-wise. Maybe a lot of people got her to just kind of mess with her. Um, but when you're looking at her from a popularity standpoint, I don't know how well she holds up when like a lot of people don't play her right and, and it's like yeah she's great in tournament she's she's fun to look at she's um she's got great animations there's a lot of stuff going for her um and so that's one of the big drawbacks i have with the character but i get overall that she's praised i always say that she can get away with murder everyone loves her like it's like she just killed five people but she's so cute everyone overlooks it right um but hmm. she also did address one of the biggest complaints in street fighter 5 at the time and that was that the game was not technical at all 
And Capcom yeah. heard that, and they're like, okay, we're going to make a character with two special moves, and she's going to be one of the most technical characters you've ever seen in a Street Fighter game. Uh, and it was like, wow, this character has got a lot to juggle. And even to this very day, it's like you you see it when you, you uh, an expert is playing this character, you're like, okay, they just did like 50 inputs to get like a two-hit combo out there. I respect that. So it, it's in that context of the character. There's, there's a lot here with Monat. I think that her outcome is a little bit more rosy, pun intended, um, than, than, you know, people... <laughs> She's looked at a little bit better than I think she actually is. But overall, I, I do think that she was a, a, a solid success, I think, for the game. Yeah, but I think a big thing yeah. about it is that people like Manat. She's a difficult character, so don't necessarily want to play her. But people like her. Mm-hmm. Like Jury. Yeah. 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 She's a very a popular character. And I would say, she, like, she's out of the new characters in Street Fighter V. I don't think, necessarily think Capcom were expecting this. But she has to be the most popular one. Well, I'm looking at the uh, character usage stats on CFN. And after she came out, as is usually the case, she gets a, obviously a boost in popularity and was getting up there into like the top 10. I think she was like top six or seven. And then just like a few, like two months after she's out, she went to the bottom three character usage and i'm all the way through into april of next year and she's remained third from the bottom in virtually every one of these right. since and like now that she had a huge popularity or i'm sorry i don't know if she's had a huge popularity boost yet because i'm still going through but um uh, she saw a lot of usage in tournament by a handful of different people showing her potential which might have turned i suspect would have turned people on to uh, explore her some more, but I'm through June now, and she's still in that number three spot from the bottom in terms of online usage. So, yeah, uh, she she certainly, like you said, had a presence um, in tournament and and had a very like entertaining one too. All those kind of Sako combos, uh, Infiltration was using her, Justin Wong was using her. Uh, but yeah, that that does seem to be some somewhat deceptive as far as seeing how popular she was in the general community. But I felt like I saw her a lot online as well when I was playing. But I mean, here the stats are, and she's still like you know fourth here fifth from the bottom in September of 2018, a full year afterwards, and certainly enough time for people to have seen her do well in tournament thanks to the uh, names that I just mentioned. And yeah, still not getting a whole lot of play. Right, time. but you said you ran into her a lot, but you're a master, aren't you? Um, Grandmaster. Yeah, that's where she but, is. Yeah. You need to think about how many ranks are below that, and you're probably not going to see a single Minot until you get to like Diamond. Yeah, because nobody's going to be playing her down there because she is a very difficult character. Mm -hmm. And she certainly fell off last year because she was extremely powerful. And then her nerfs into season four were uh, were pretty drastic. And, and, you know, a lot of people moved off of her and explored other characters. But yeah, she never really was that popular online. She was immediately a hit, though, as far as design and people like i remember running a story before she came out or like the day she was coming out uh people had done so much artwork of mm -hmm. her before she was even released like she, the, the internet loved monot and continues to love monot you you have to uh, talk so, about the cosplay john it's you have to that the, the um what is the mummy cosplay stuff that she did was out of freaking control that the, the whoo yeah so yeah, there were a handful of really uh, interesting, people were calling it like the fifth element kind of cosplay, but yeah, she just basically has a handful of bandages oh on, and um, yeah. 
And I think she's also supposed to be 15 no, or something like you, that. Maybe yeah, that she's, is not maybe the it's case. never been. You have made. That's actually, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because I, I remember thinking that and then doing some research and not finding it anywhere. Made but that's that just up. what's been settled. Yeah, you made it up just to get under my skin and it has worked really well. But she is not 15. <laughs> <laughs> Capcom does not put ages on their characters anymore because Ryu and Chun-Li would all be about 60 years old if they did. Yeah. So, so yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways uh yeah but the, the she was very popular in that respect and okay so that's interesting will she still come back if she's not seeing all that much usage? i think so because i i wouldn't be surprised to see her at all yeah I, like what i'm what i meant when i said she was popular was this popularity the one that we're talking about now because she's a character that people who don't necessarily play Street Fighter like. She's a character people who watch Street Fighter like. She's a character who the internet at at a whole like. And even Street Fighter players who don't play her because they think she's too complicated or she doesn't fit her play style, like her. And that's Mm -hmm. not something you just throw away. When you look at characters that have... I know this is something that often gets brought up with Tekken, where Harada will always say, when a character's gone and people whine at him and are like, why is this character here? He says, they were barely played. Mm-hmm. Right? That's his That's his go-to. He has the arcade stats and he says, like, their play rate was very low, so they're not there anymore. Makes it's sense. That's why um, Kano and Sonya were actually dropped from the first Mortal Kombat. Uh, people wondered about that, and uh, Ed Boon said, like, they were the least played characters, so we didn't keep them in MK2. Right. So. They put him in the background tied yep. up on yeah. Shao Kahn's stage. <laughs> that's awesome. That's stuff. But yeah, so that's like the first thing they look at. But we now have the internet. There are other types of popularity. And I think that's a big reason, going back to Tekken 7, why Lei was one of the first characters to come back. Because Lei is not a high usage character because he has like, what, five stances or something. He's very complex to play. He still isn't seeing much playtime in Tekken 7, but he is an iconic character that people love. He's a Jackie Chan parody. Come on, everyone loves him. Mm, So that is how I see Manat as well. It doesn't matter how low her play rate is. We aren't in the, like, just arcade days anymore. If she had debuted in, I don't know, Third Strike, maybe she never would have come back. You know? It's possible. Because even if she was good, she probably would have a low play rate because she's too complex, even in a game like that. Uh, but that's not the era we live in now. You can see popularity in a lot of different ways. And, you know, if they release a figurine of Manat, that's probably going to sell, like, jury-tier levels, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a different absolutely. thing. The only thing Capcom would have to look at is all the cosplay and say, we can't lose this going into Street Fighter Six. We're bringing Manat back. And yeah. there she is. So there we go. <laughs> so moving on here, uh, we've got the last character of Season 2, and that would be Zeku. Uh, Zeku, like Manat, is very, very, very technical, um, but has actually emerged from that as being reasonably popular, even on CFN. Like, we see him in tournament. He's, you know, around a top 10 character, somewhere around there. Some people have him actually even further up. Uh, where he's at, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, but he is very hard to play as well, but he's avoided that after his initial release when he first came out people were not touching him they didn't want to play him that much but now he's taken off and become a pretty solid character in tournament and even on cfn which just kind of blows my mind for for someone as difficult to play as he is but but what did you guys see with him um i first of all he is difficult to play but not that difficult to play when you're looking at Minot. i think they're different tiers of how difficult mm-hmm. they are I also want to say a big reason why I think Seku wasn't played much in the beginning was because his stance switch was very limited, which is something they fixed with patches, 
I think already in season three, which gave you a lot more creativity on how you could uh, switch from uh, young and old in combos and such as well, uh, which he really wasn't able to do as much in the beginning. It, he, I remember Sako specifically saying that he thought the concept for Seku was amazing, but it was such a waste that they had such an interesting concept and didn't do anything with it because of how limited his roots were. And that's not the case anymore, clearly. He has some pretty complex roots and he can do a lot of different things once he gets a hit. I think in that sense, the complexity of Seku, this is downplaying it a little bit, but it's more similar to having a main and a sub than it is to playing someone like Minot. I think there there's like a magnitude of difference between those levels of complexity. And I think a lot of people are comfortable enough to pick a main and a sub and anyone who is comfortable enough for that can also reasonably, if they want to put that time in, play Seku and get to a decent level with him. As far as PR in the snapshot moment of, of Zeku's reveal and release, he was an absolute home run because he turned heads. He had a really interesting mechanic. He had he was connected to Strider, and that got us talking about where does he fit in the story, and is this is, is obviously connected to an entire other game, like an entire other franchise. Like, are there universes melded? Um, there was a lot of attention to him, and uh, clearly a lot of potential with two different forms, and everyone's like, oh, man, is Shin going to pick him up, and is it going to be like Gen? And, and he wasn't that great, though. And he sort of fell by the wayside for a while, quicker than I think he should have. And it was really quiet on the Zeku front for a good little while. Um, and then people like uh, like Infectious and Momochi was playing him for a good little bit too. They showed that he could he could sort of get the job done, but there wasn't enough faith, I think, to really bring uh, people over to playing him until more recently. And I suspected that he would be even more popular, especially with Infectious doing what he's been doing, you know, getting top eight at Evo and, and performing in Capcom Cup. Um, was it is it not Angry Bird? Yeah, it's Angry Bird. Uh, Big Angry Bird? Bird. Angry Bird does it. Sorry, it's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Angry Bird uh, turning heads with him. He's got the flash. He's got the the you know the story. He there was the whole Zeku and Laura love oh, yeah. thing going yeah. on. Like, um, and that that there's all been a lot of interesting things. And now he has little helpy helpers with his V skill too, with the bird and the um, like a fairy yeah. or something with dynamite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think there's the, there there are a lot of right choices made with Zeku. But his inability in game might have kind of been working against them. And like, how popular has he been online? Yeah, he he's actually reasonably popular. Like for a character as technical yeah. as he is, like he he falls around in the middle. But like surprisingly, again, when you have a character that requires that much investment, um, it's it's surprising to see them that far up the list. Sure, more than Manat, right? And I would have think I would have guessed that Manat was way more popular. But again, because I'm, maybe I'm playing with where the Manat players are and and, and such, but. Yeah, I think he was a good character. I think he just wasn't strong enough to keep interest. But now Zeku's kind of in a place where I, I suspect his his popularity will grow in tournament um, because of, like I said, infectious and such. But you gotta have tournaments for that to happen. So, so um, so putting here a, a bow on season two, I like looking back at it in hindsight. Yeah, it worked out really well. But like, if I if I had to do it all over again, I'd personally take out a few of the brand new characters and put them in later seasons, and throw mm. a Sagat and uh, Sakura in there instead. Uh, I think the community would have been a lot more hype initially. I still think that despite the results of this, the DLC sales were a bit questionable on Capcom's end, just because it's it's so hard to get behind a bunch of brand new characters. Akuma is 
like people are going to buy it just because of Akuma. I get that. But I mean, just for me, it's like you, you have to have a few more returning cast in there when you're going to have a season like this, if you ask me. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, I think that's where Capcom should have went, and that's kind of where I hope they go in the future. Definitely do brand new characters. Like the blank canvas stuff, I think the evidence like speaks very well for itself. We're, we're talking about the season is like, we're not talking about duds. We're not talking about like, oh, this just didn't work at all. It's like, that's few and far between here. But like you, you need people's money to keep these games going, right? Like, and, and like ultimately they want to hear, they want to see something they know. They want that, that nostalgia feeling back uh, and couple some fresh stuff. But yeah, that's how I see it. Okay, so what I want to sort of do here with these two seasons now is is give them ratings when it comes to PR and when it comes to general gameplay experience. Do you guys think you could do that? Like a 1 to 10? Yeah, um, let's let's start with, um, let's go down um, with the first one. And John, we'll actually kick mm-hmm. it over to you and we'll do PR last. Um, but how do you feel? Okay, so you want to do the, the additions like that the characters brought as far as did they make you want to play the game? Were they hype? Were they fun? Did they make the Street Fighter Five experience better? And from one to ten on season one, mm, I would give it something around. This is within the parameters of just season one. I'd say it was like a a six, maybe a seven. I'm gonna go with six point five. Okay, Nick, what do you think? Um, it's very hard for me to separate season one from the launch because they're intertwined. But if I'm trying to really just focus on season one as well as none of the PR, as in these are the picks we have, these are what they add, this is what they add to the game, this is how well they were implemented. I think season one is like an eight mm-hmm. in that regard. I'd have it as a nine. Um, I think that it's it kind of completed the roster, and we're not talking about PR right now. Um, I think that these additions are exactly who people would want, with maybe an exception, you know, kind of thing. Uh, um, it's uh, there's still even a case for Balrog, even though Nick, you you brought a good case against him. It's like it's still like he's iconic enough to add and like fit this lineup perfectly. And, I, I don't think Balrog is bad to add to a game. I just think mm-hmm. he's bad to have his DLC. Right. Uh, so I, I think this is one of the best lineups, like name-wise, that Capcom's ever had. So I, I could almost get this up to a 10, but I, I definitely would put it as a 9 for myself. So an 8 from Nick and a 9 from John. Mm. And then are we going to uh, PR on Season 1? Yeah, the PR side. One. <laughs> Be careful here, because as bad as some of these seem in, in, in the moment, they're like, man, it's not going to get any worse than this. Well, uh, it, it certainly... There's arguments to be made, so I wouldn't go extreme unless you're really sure. Season 1 PR was a 1. I think Season 1 PR was an absolute disaster on every front. They um, they lied or deliberately misled everyone about Ibuki until literally the last day of May. They uh, accidentally let people see Balrog in advance or play Balrog in advance. They added Jury and Yurian to story mode so everyone hacked the game so they could play them like, what, three months in advance? Of course, they weren't exactly the way they were supposed to be, but you got most of the characters out of that. They bear, they didn't release an Alex trailer at two of the premiere events. Uh, they didn't have CFN ready. They uh, had the roadmap, which apparently wasn't even approved by the parent company. No, season one was a one, and I will stand by that. I've got it. I um, Mine's not much better. I got it at about, like, a... Uh, I was going to say between a two and a three, so I'll give it a 2.5. It was really bad, especially 
with the, the the cast of characters they had and the reception for the community and the launch and it's they they were not able to wash away the, the launch's um, bad taste from people's mouths uh, even with what they did it's it helped but it was still there it was still like Ugh, what are you doing uh, i give it a 2.5 yeah i want to be a little bit forgiving because it's like their first time through it and they had I mean, they did it to themselves. They made the bed of the launch and then the negative uh, momentum or the lack thereof moving forward into season one. Uh, but but I mean, it really is. It's just part of the whole equation. And the fact of the matter is it did not go well. And a lot of it was more of like Capcom, please, Capcom, please, this isn't that. And then, you know, we also had a handful of other issues plaguing the game at the time. But you can't really divorce them all because it's it's your perception of Street Fighter V. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to latch on to that and play it and involve yourself in it or not. And so many parts of this season were just turnoffs to that. Um, I'm trying to also think about how I'm reading the other seasons and... and, and but I, I, I can't go any higher than a three. So I'm going to give it a three for PR. So it looks like uh, overall, I'm not sure how we'll break these down, but so far I gave it a 6.5 and a three. So that's going to give it an overall score for me of a 9.5 out of a possible 20. <laughs> uh, and then Nick, that's a nine with a, the score of eight and, and then one for PR. And then John, uh, 11.5 with a score of 9 for the, uh, the, the additions to the, the hype for the gameplay. And then uh, 2.5 for PR. So. It sounds about right. Interesting. No, not, a too, not too hot of a start. You're just not even making 50% for two of the, uh, the answers here. All right, so let's jump over to uh, Season 2. Nick, we'll start with you. So the gameplay aspects, it's hard. Um... Yeah, I would say that like the whole thing about in- making it only new characters is PR. I think like if we're looking at what they add to the game, how they play, how they feel implemented, how well made they are. Yeah, I'd have to give it a nine season two. I think it was very yeah. solid. I-, I would give it a nine as well, only because of Ed being such a, a sore thumb here on, in terms of what he could have been but the gameplay is really hard to argue against at this point um it, again it may be the best tournament lineup they've, they've done for dlc at the time though like upon release i feel like a lot of these guys were more dud duddy on I'm fi- release and then they got better yeah later. but i'm thinking if you're looking at it at, you'll have to look at it at the end of season two i think the Akuma was looking better at that point. Akuma's there. Colleen was looking better. Abigail was starting was starting to see stuff with him and Minot. Seku was too late. Because Seku was even later than Yurin was, as I recall. I think yeah. it was October. So he was... You, you, everyone knew you couldn't judge him. Ed was solidly terrible. Uh, Colleen wasn't great. She didn't have V3 or 2 yet. But I still think if you look at them from a gameplay standpoint, what they added to the game, regardless of how strong they were, it was still a very, like, varied amount. They diversified it. Exactly. Yeah. I'll give it an 8. So we kick over to the PR side. This gets a little hard because it's like I, I have to look at it a bit in hindsight and a little bit of, like not tripping over your own feet was a success at this point in time uh, because that's pretty much what we saw them do. Uh, and they kind of got out of their own way. So I don't think it was a great success for the PR, but there was enough hype moments and people were good enough with, with everything going on that I'll give them a five out of 10. It's not great, but at least it's not 
terrible. So mm. we actually have the exact same scores because I'm also giving it a five. Uh, for me, you kind of have to divide it up in the first half and the second half because I think the first half was very bad. I think the first half was maybe a two, but then they stepped it up. I don't even think the Abigail reveal was bad PR. It just happened to be like the perfect storm kind of situation that ended up poorly for them through not that much fault of their own. I'm not going to say no fault of their own, but not as much fault of their own as maybe it could have been. While Minad and Seku were really, uh, yeah, they really let the crowds on fire. And above all, for season two, Capcom basically gave us a clear schedule on when to expect things and uh, largely held to it. The only thing I remember is Ed got delayed because he came with the CFN update uh, to like the whole CFN or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. So they had to delay him a bit because of like Sony needing you to submit the patch like X amount of time in advance or something like that. Uh, I remember it was like slightly out of their control. So Ed ended up being like two we weeks into May or something instead, which is fine. It's acceptable enough. Yeah, this was going to be, I think, the lowest on my list for a while. And it's like that the fact that Capcom shot themselves in the foot at the very beginning by making the decision to um, to, to make everyone a, a new character, uh, like I said, took the wind out of the sails. And that was my focal point for a lot of this. And it does definitely create a ceiling for this this season as far as PR goes. That was a theme that ran all the way through it. But... I'm I'm reminded of how hype Akuma was, so it gets a little a little bonus for that. And yeah, it, it did start. They came out of it towards the end because I remember once it was uh, maybe Abigail kind of broke the mold. Plus, we knew Minot and Zeku, and and so we began to actually know certain things about these characters or start to hear about them. And we could start doing that speculation thing, you know, with uh, with some of the rumors that were floating around, and we absolutely did. Um, and so, like, we kind of came out of that, well, I have nothing to base these characters on, so I, I like, what am I going to do anyway? We, we heard, like, Minot was Rose's, uh, like, protege and such. Like, oh, she's probably going to be somewhat based around her and, and things along those lines. And, and uh, Zek would be sort of like Guy and who knows. But that we did come out of it. So I'll, I was going to give it a two. But um, for Akuma and for the fact that the ending was arguable, it's not even arguable, it was better. I'll give it another two points total. So I'll take it up to a four. All right. All right. So um, a lot of improvement for season two over season one. So, hey, a good trend so far. Uh, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to say? Uh, play Grand Blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be taking this back up next week to explore seasons three and four, and then to take a little bit of a look over the entirety of uh, Street Fighter V thus far, the first four years, and kind of assess the uh, what was the best about it, what was the uh, the worst about it. But this has been interesting. I've I've kind of liked looking back, and and the coolest parts have to be when you look back and you go, I remember this a specific way. Like I remembered season two as just being crap PR, but through this discussion, it's like, ah, there, there are parts that you, you can't take out of the equation there. And maybe it's not exactly what, like, what you thought it was. So that's been fun mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, it's nice to hear some different perspectives and also get these things that you kind of forgot. Like I had completely forgotten that I actually had this massive smug aura hovering over Steven. So I'm probably going to have to write him about that again as soon as we're out of this. <laughs> <laughs>
poor Steven. He's got a lot coming his way. But uh, it's it, we don't have to look far to find egg on our face like for the whole team. We always, you know, we put predictions out there. We generally hold up fairly well, but we all screw up at some point in time. But we just happen to let mm-hmm. Steven know about Abigail because it's fun. And he played Abigail. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <yeah. laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks again so much for listening. And we'll be back with you soon. Perfect.